Hello everyone, Callie Hannah here with a quick disclaimer from the future, 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 future. <laughs> the episode you are about to hear was recorded prior to my public coming out as a transgender woman. As such, you will hear myself and others refer to me by my dead name and he, him pronouns, and that is not how I want to be referred to now. I, well, I go by Callie and I use she, her pronouns. Uh, the rest of the episode has been left as is for the purposes of historical preservation, but uh, just know that it is not accurate to my current uh, gender identity. Thank you, and enjoy the show. The hipster and the nerd. Yes, hipster and the nerd. The nerd. One went to the genius. The other is quite absurd. Exactly which is which. Off the fence is which. Yes, good sir. The hipster and the nerd. 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 Hipster and the nerd. Created by Steven Spielberg? No. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Hipster and the Nerd, the podcast where we discuss movies, TV shows, comic books, video games, and all manner of geek and pop culture to see what we can make of it. I am Chris Hanna. With me, of course, is my co-host, Brian Brecker. How are you doing today, Brian? I'm doing pretty good, except for the fact that this is our third attempt at recording uh, uh, an episode on this movie, Godzilla vs. Kong. Yes, that is subject for today, and... Uh, we did have to, because we've had multiple recording snafus, we had to delay the episode. We've been on a bit of a hiatus, as you may have noticed. And we've been um, but... arguing about this movie a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Chris, you had a song, right? Yes, I did have a song. I wrote a, I wrote a song to get everybody in the mood for, to, for, for this movie. So I hope uh, you, you all, in, so to kick things off, I hope you all enjoy the ballad of Godzilla vs. Kong. All right. Godzilla vs. Kong. Go Godzilla vs. King Kong. Godzilla vs. Kong. Godzilla vs. Kong. Godzilla vs. Kong With a powerful grimace and a beckoning sound The two kaiju prepare for their showdown Helpless people can only wait As the battle of the Titans determines their fate Godzilla vs. Kong one picks up the other and they throw them back down as they tear through buildings throughout the neon town. Oh no! They say one's gotta go! Godzilla vs. Kong! It's Skull Island of Tokyo! Godzilla vs. Kong! Godzilla versus Kong. Go Godzilla versus King Kong. Godzilla versus Kong. Guitar solo. <laughs> 
Say one gotta go, Godzilla must have come. Goliath of Tokyo, Godzilla must have come. Yeah! The pump that you put the truth to me, no harm to be a cute monkey with a kingdom of God. Godzilla! Your skills, I didn't leave. Let me ask you, this is what's a god who wanted to come from me. Godzilla! Versus Kong! The ultimate battle of his history, singing, time for the time is God of his Godzilla! Versus King Kong! The pumps of his weapon will do me no harm. Let me ask you, monkey, what's a king or a god? Godzilla versus King Kong Kong! Godzilla versus Kong! Crash in this sack, your skills I didn't leave. Let me ask you, is it what's a god who one who doesn't believe? Godzilla versus King Kong Kong! Godzilla versus Kong! The ultimate battle of this we sing it. Titan versus Titan, it's God versus King. Godzilla versus Kong! So that was Godzilla versus Kong by Chris Hanna. Thank yes. You. I just added in the instrumentals for me. Of course. Godzilla vs. Kong is a 2021 American monster <laughs> film directed by Adam Wingard, who directed the Blair Witch remake, and it is a sequel yes. to Godzilla King of the Monsters and Kong Skull Island, and the uh, yes. 36th film in the Godzilla franchise. That is correct. Uh, I did not like this movie. I, I thought it was decent, <laughs> or mediocre actually. Uh, I think that the ongoing problem with the movies in the MonsterVerse that they have characters that are either written terribly or have nonsensical motivations continues. I don't exactly enjoy the way that the monsters have been continuously framed in this series because they've tried to make them, except for Kong Skull Island, which I think is the best of this entire franchise, uh, they've tried to make the monsters seem like a naturally occurring part of some sort of weird hollow earth ecology, which first off, doesn't even track with the 2014 backstory of Godzilla because they mentioned a nuclear accident that happened in 1954, which would seem seemingly concur with Godzilla's original origin story with the 1954 Godzilla film, the very original one. But apparently, no, he came from the Hollow Earth. And I feel like all this stuff about the Hollow Earth and all that nonsense basically just naturalizes the monsters into being animals and makes them less interesting, especially considering this whole logic and over-explanation they keep doing about Godzilla and Kong, about how they need to only attack when fucking they're threatened and stuff like that, which then, of course, leads into really annoying and bizarre questions about what exactly Godzilla knows about this seeming plot to destroy him with Mechagodzilla and the power energy source in the Hollow Earth. But anyways, we'll get to all of that. Chris, what did you think of Godzilla vs. Kong? I think this movie is amazing. Okay. This movie is a, it's, it's fantastic. I think it captures the, the appeal of these monsters very well. And we will get into why as we discuss the, the plot of this movie and what happens in the movie. So, so, we, open, so, so we open on uh, Kong himself. He is uh, still uh, on Skull Island, but he is a lot bigger now. He has grown to Godzilla size. He's all grown up. 
And uh, yes. we get a little glimpse at Kong's daily routine, which I think is fun. We see him, you know, he wakes up in the morning. He, he scratches his ass. This is one of the few scenes goes, that I liked. It's a good scene. It's a really good mm -hmm. scene. He takes a he goes to take a bath in the river, meets up with his little uh, deaf friend, Gia, who is adorable. Who, has, who is one of the most useless characters in this movie, honestly. Like, I understand that she exists to, like, teach... Uh, I, to teach Kong how to speak sign language, but then again, speaking sign language doesn't really come back as a thing that's important to the plot, except for Gia eventually telling him that Godzilla isn't the enemy, and apparently that convinces him to fight Mechagodzilla at the end of the movie. But it, it seems like, you know, you could have had uh, the older woman character be this character also if we found, like, a, a deaf adult actress. I think that could have really worked because there's an there's another woman that has this personal connection to King Kong. Yeah, there is she, a there is a woman scientist on the island who's like the the Kong. Right, and she her. has like nothing to do in this entire movie, except be Gia's guardian. Yeah, and, and it, I I think I think what might have happened here, and I don't think it's a significant criticism. I I don't have a significant issue with it, but I think what might have happened here with this, and I think a lot of the other human storylines. Uh -huh is that so this was in production before king of the monsters came right out. and when king of the monsters underperformed i think what happened was the studio because this is warner brothers we're talking about and warner brothers tends to be very reactionary mm -hmm. they were like all right you need to people really didn't like the human stuff in king of the monsters so you have to cut it down to the absolute bare minimum and the result of that was characters who may have had a point in a ver earlier version seemingly don't have a point now right because their point was cut for time yeah and on the wikipedia like, page there's a source that describes her as the jane goodall of kong and like we hear that she apparently jane... has a connection with kong that's personal but we never actually see it happen yeah there's like we're, we are told about yeah it, but it's not really something that's seen yeah mm -hmm. it's i i think i feel like that is so, sort of if I do have an overarching criticism, um, it is that the human storylines, and while I'm fine with the human storylines being cut down because, you know, that's not what I came to the movie for, mm -hmm. it definitely does feel like they could have been fleshed out a lot more and that it, will, it was cut down because the studio said they had to And cut we've it down. always had this kind of disagreement back to when we did our Godzilla marathon about the importance of human characters to the story. Uh, I, I tend to think that human characters in kaiju films are integral to maintaining the quality of the film because they're the interstitial element that helps uh, guide the audience along and inject uh, important sociological themes into the story about the monsters. Well, and, I mean, I get that. Like, I'm not saying that humans should be entirely perfunctory. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if I'm watching a... Like, if I'm watching a Godzilla movie... I came here for Godzilla. Right. Like, uh, th th that's what I bought the ticket for. So then uh, Kong picks up a branch. Yeah, so he, yeah, so he picks up a big tree like he did in, in Kong Skull Island. Yes. And he throws it, but instead of going out into the sky, it breaks apart a bit of this dome because Monarch has encased the island in this giant biodome mm -hmm. so, they can, so they can study him and... And then we immediately uh, get some extremely fast-paced exposition that's just, like, hits you in the face with, like, 90 million 
pieces of information so at it's once. It's basically like Kong, like the, his growth is unstable. They have to let him leave the island, but he can't leave the island because Godzilla's going to come for him. Right, and this like stinks of, of in my opinion, like reshoots, honestly. I w yeah, I will. Yeah, probably. And Again, then, like said, for some reason, the after they start spouting exposition, then we get the title card, which is bizarre. Yeah, then we get, then we get the title sequence, which is, of course, the MonsterVerse tradition of uh, the newspaper clipping visual storytelling, which right. is neat. You know, it goes through Godzilla and Kong's origins and sort of gives little hints at their ancient rivalry. There's a little John Goodman cameo I, from, from Kong Skull Island. Again, I know we've argued about this twice before because we've recorded this three times, but I still yes. don't get why we need Godzilla and Kong to have some sort of mythological, legendary, ancient rivalry. Well, okay. Like, you can make an argument that it is not, like, inherently necessary, but I think it's an, I think it's an interesting wrinkle to the storytelling. Mm -hmm. If I have an issue with that, I feel like it's that it's not particularly explored. It's like yeah. they have an ancient rivalry because like they have an ancient rivalry because they have an ancient rivalry. And that's like fine. Yeah. But, you know, if you're going to bring up the ancient rivalry, maybe like explore it like we could maybe, you know, have some flashbacks. Yeah. And then uh, we got a John Goodman cameo like in the title sequence. Yeah, the John... And then immediately after we get introduced to the worst character in the film, the uh, Bernie, the Titan Truth Bernie. podcaster conspiracy the Titan theory, Truth Bernie, Bernie uh, played by Brian Tyree Henry, who weirdly um, enough has like he gets all of the comic relief and all of it is like this lighthearted joking about serious conspiracy theories that like your stanky aunt would fall into. You know, like bleach bathing and stuff like that, and GMO conspiracy theories. Oh yeah, there is a line about GMO. And it's kind of bizarre to me that a, a mainstream film would like present these conspiracies as like, oh, that's lighthearted. He's a kooky, lighthearted conspiracy he's man. A, I guess this is kind of made before I the mean, storming of the Capitol kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, I think because <laughs> this was made before. I think if this was made after January six, he would at least be. He, uh, it would at the very least be a very different version of that. Right, and it just feels yeah. bizarre to me that, and also that the audience surrogate character played by Millie Bobby Brown also is like a huge fan of the Titan Truth podcast, and she's listening to it all the time. And there's this really funny scene, in my opinion, <laughs> where basically they're in class, you know, and, and they're watching TV because apparently that's something that people do in public schools. I don't know. I didn't go to public school. Um, yeah, that's a, yeah, for important cultural events, they will put on the, like when we were like when the 2012 debates were happening, I was in freshman year of high school. And, yeah. That never happened uh, for me. Yeah. I don't, well, here's the thing. I went to a private school in like middle and elementary school oh. and we still watched, they stopped the class to hold an assembly to watch the Obama inaugural. That never happened for me. Uh, I went to a Catholic school, so yeah. maybe it was political. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, it was too political for the Catholics. <laughs> and, anyways, um, but immediately after getting out of uh, the class, she's like listening to the Titan Truth Podcast Network. And, and he says, why would Godzilla attack with no provocation? And Millie Bobby Brown looks up and with this look in her face like, oh my god. He just dropped a truth bomb. Okay. And, and then she okay. went, goes to like tell her dad, dad, did you listen to the Conspiracy Theory Titan Truth Podcast Network? <laughs> Uh, and then he's like, daughter, that, that podcast that is podcast a crank show. You garbage. shouldn't be listening to yeah. it. And she's like, but uh, dad, don't you understand the incredibly complex lore and intricate motivations of Godzilla? Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Brian, look, I know you are not particularly a fan <laughs> of how Godzilla is characterized across these movies. Yes. But she, regardless, in the context of this universe... She is right, because Godzilla's behavior yeah. has 
been has is on this pattern mm -hmm. of he only attack he only you know his attacks only come when he's provoked and once he has accomplished his goal he leaves the humans alone right so it does make sense and it, within the context of the universe this whole to question yeah. why godzilla would attack now yeah. and to ask there's probably a reason behind this and also because the evil corporation apex is very obviously evil and Millie Bobby Brown and the podcast guy are seemingly the only ones who pick up on that because I guess they're the only ones who've watched a movie before. <laughs> um, but what I'm saying here is that this actually gets into one of my criticisms of the overall monsterverse as a whole, which is that it keeps naturalizing the monsters to the point where they're not actually threatening anymore and over-explaining their motivations. Like, Godzilla, you're not supposed to know necessarily why he does the thing he does. He's a cosmic creature that just fucking yeah. destroys shit. You know, and but here we have to have like, well, why would he do that? It's not in his character. And it's like, well, I mean, did you guys all seriously expect after King of the Monsters and Godzilla 2014 that he would become a positive moral agent that would never destroy a city again? Like, well, even I mean, if he, he does, does again, like, no, but even if he does, like, you know, start doing things only because he is threatened, like. It wouldn't then follow that everybody would think that he's a savior of the universe at best. Okay, well, be a I, I was texting. I was well, I was texting you about this earlier. Right. Is that maybe that anti-hero is a more accurate label? Yeah, but then context? again, that doesn't make sense with the CNN media coverage because everybody is super shocked that Godzilla destroyed a city. Yeah, that is <laughs> okay. In okay, in fairness, the uh -huh. again. He generally only destroys a city once every five years. So, uh -huh. and it's, it, I can understand being a little shocked of why he would attack the city now when he was seemingly unprovoked when all of the other attacks have seen that he was provoked. Like, yeah, but still, it, okay. it seems kind of weird still. But anyway, I, I, I guess I, yeah. I didn't really have a problem with it, but I, I suppose. Uh, so anyway, so speaking of which. So Godzilla, uh, I guess we should actually talk about why why Billy Poppy Brown is doing this because Godzilla attacks after uh, not being seen for five years since the events of King of the Monsters. Right. He suddenly attacks this Apex facility in Florida in a pretty good. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I like the scene. It's a good Godzilla like solo rampage. He's all wrecking shit. He's put. He's you know spraying his atomic breath everywhere. It's you know it's good Godzilla stuff. Mm -hmm. I like it. I wish there was a bit more Godzilla solo stuff in this Which, because there's plenty of godzilla and kong fighting and there's a healthy amount of kong solo stuff like at times structurally it feels a bit more like kong 2 featuring special guest right. star godzilla than it does a, a versus movie i think it mostly feels like a versus movie but you know that, that that's that's just you know how i feel so i kind of wish there was a little bit more of this kind of thing but you know what is there i enjoy and so, but so that attack happens, and then the public turns against Godzilla. I'd like to point out, uh, just so, for fun, I'm gonna read off a series of parallels between Godzilla versus Kong and and Batman v Superman. Uh, these aren't criticisms, by the way. <laughs> this is just me having fun and goofing on the movie. Um, number one, supernatural threat des destroys city, hailed as hero, and then heroism is questioned by the media. Villain from previous film used to power new villain. Versus movie between two larger-than-life figures, you know, larger-than-life figures team up at the end to fight the real enemy. Both real enemies are constructed artificially by a corporate bad guy. 
Both enemies after a power are, are after a power source that would kill one of the larger-than-life figures, and one larger-than-life figure nearly kills the other before the two team up. So it seems like yeah. this movie has a weirdly similar structure to Batman v Superman, including the stock I corporate bad of. guy, which I think is kind I of guess funny. You, it, it, yeah, it's. it's I think that's more coincidental than anything right. else. Right, I'm sure a lot of that uh, stuff could also line up with a, any other versus film. Um, yeah. But definitely using the Hedra skull screamed like, oh, it's like Zod's body. You mean Ghidorah? Yeah, yeah, using, you mean, you mean yes, Ghidorah. using Ghidorah's skull was like, oh man, that's like Zod's body, you know. All my all my Snyder heads will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> the Snyder heads? Oh god, we, 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 we've, oh god, we've opened the floodgates. I know. What have we done? Um, so what happens but next, anyways. Chris? All right, so after that and the scene where Maddie confronts her dad. Um, I love that scene so much because and... like, she's like, God damn it, dad. He's at like this camp and doing his job. And she's like, yeah, they're at this refugee camp. And she's like, like, you've got Godzilla. There's a pattern here, dad. There's a pattern here, dad. That's only going to show up pattern. in this movie for five minutes. God damn it, dad. <laughs> and, and then she gets mad. Godzilla's she, out uh... there and he's hurting people and we don't know why. <laughs> And, and, and then she goes home and she starts listening to the Titan Truth podcast again, which is funny because they have like the little website typing thing. But the, but the the audio of him talking starts before she types up the website, which is kind of weird. Um, is she listening to it on her phone while she's typing it? In I guess so. Computer? But uh, she was listening to it with AirPods earlier, I noticed. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, she has AirPods in. She can't hear us. Uh, I also got to wonder, how does um, somebody who's the daughter of a scientist fall into all this pseudoscientific crank bullshit? Cause maybe, it's, maybe it's because, and, may, and, and this might have been a thing that was cut for time, but maybe it's because, like, oh, man, my mom died, <laughs> so now I have weird feelings about her whole industry. I'm going to listen to this podcast. The scientists <laughs> killed my mom. Well, your mom <laughs> killed your mom, to be fair, after nearly killing yeah. the whole planet. Um, but yeah, then what happens, Chris? All right. So then so we are introduced to Walter Simmons, who's the head of Apex, the evil corporation. And he wants to recruit Alexander Skarsgård's uh, Dr. Lin for an expedition to the Hollow Earth because they need a p energy from the Hollow Earth to power an anti-Godzilla weapon. Oh, and also there is their Apex chief tech officer, Ren Sarazawa, who is the son of Dr. Sar of Dr. Sarazawa mm -hmm. from the other movies. Not that the movie will tell you that, because they never specify their relationship, right. and his last name is only used like a handful of times throughout the movie. Yeah. This yeah. this is probably this he is perhaps the biggest victim of they cut the human stuff for time. Well, yeah, because the, and on the Wikipedia the page, the implications of his character yeah. raise so many questions. Like, why? Because he's because it's his adult son. Mm -hmm. So why was Doctor Sarazawa's adult son, you know, not referenced or appeared at all in any of the previous movies? Why is he anti Godzilla if his father was pro Godzilla? Right. Is there some like? daddy issues well, thing going wikipedia on. does clarify like, some stuff some character stuff that was probably cut out oguri describes ren's goal as trying to protect the earth however the means to his goal differ from everyone else and his father 
Oguri noted that Ren mm. sort of followed in his father's footsteps, but stated he doesn't believe he was heard by his father. So yes, there there oh. is daddy issues there that never show up on the so screen and were probably cut for time. That are never in the actual movie because they were probably cut for now, time. Now, just as a joke, I'd like to point out uh, the Wikipedia article that describes Alexander Skarsgård's character in this movie because he doesn't really do or say anything. He is, he's there. He Skarsgård described his character as a reluctant hero who is not an alpha badass. <laughs> and, well, I mean, that... I mean, that's true. And, quote, thrown into this very d- dangerous situation and is definitely not equipped for it. Skarsgård called Nathan an homage to 1980s films like Indiana Jones, Romancing the Stone, Lethal Weapon, and Die Hard. What? I know. He's nothing like any of the characters. From I mean, movies. before you said the influences, I was like, well, that's not wrong. But Skarsgård the film... By researching the hollow earth <laughs> and learning sign language. Yeah. So, All right. So to communicate and he, with Kaylee Hoddle. Yeah, Kaylee Hoddle. Oh, we, yeah, we should we should mention Gia is, is played by an actually, uh, the deaf girl. Deaf. Played by an actually yes. deaf actress. So that's good. Yeah. Um, good job, Hollywood. Yeah. You, you get a point for that. So mm-hmm. anyway, so yeah, so they need the power source and they have built this ship that can travel to the hollow earth. And but they need a titan to show them the way because you know, start you're forgetting that you're forgetting oh, yeah, the because part of the yeah, his backstory, the, the backstory, Dr. backstory wherein Alexander Skarsgård's brother... brother tried to go to Hollow Earth and was killed in a gravity inversion, and all of his body was crushed instantaneously by the gravity of the planet, which is absolutely hilarious. Gravity inversion is not a joke, Brian. Millions of astronauts <laughs> suffer every year. That you know they they try and like play mm. out, play it off as like a serious thing because like he later looks at like the picture of his brother and all I can think of is like you know a guy getting squished and turning into a human puddle. Fucking Mortal really Kombat funny. fatality. <laughs> it's very hilarious, honestly. Um, you know, um, and I don't think it was intentional, yeah. which gets into my problem with with the characters. And I feel like I'm really beating a dead horse. I feel like I dug the horse out of its grave and I'm beating it still. Stop! Um, stop! He's already dead. <laughs> But the characters in the MonsterVerse are not written well. Uh, especially not Mr. Bleachbather, uh, Bernie, who, um, you know, he, he they try and give him an emotional arc because he says that he carries around this flask of whiskey that he's never finished in his gun holster, bizarrely. And eventually he uses the gun holster to short-circuit Mechagodzilla systems. So I guess that's kind of attempting an arc. But really, he's just here to make jokes about tap water. And, and the Illuminati. Uh, and the Illuminati. We'll get course. to it. So anyway, mm-hmm. so yeah, so they build a ship, and but they need a Titan to show them the way because Hollow Earth is, you know, uncharted territory. They don't know what's down there. And this is kind there. of bizarre. I, I don't remember there being a, a scene where they actually transport or capture Godzilla and then, like, put him on the ship. They just sort of cut to him being on the ship. Yeah, right? well, they go, well, they go to the island. Well, because... Right. I, well, not Godzilla, Kong, Kong, yeah. Yeah, Kong, sorry. Yeah, so, yeah, so they decide that they're going to use Kong because, well, mm-hmm. yeah, it makes sense. He knows, a, he knows a person who knows Kong. Kong is one of the most human titans. The movie's called Godzilla vs. Kong, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, so, so yeah. So how'd they get him onto the ship? So they, so, well, what happens is, so they go to the island. And, right. Well, they, they first have, like, a debate about, like, what is, you know, 
Kong leaving the island and and the Dr. Andrews is eventually convinced that yes, he can you can go on the expedition. And then they just sort of cut to they put him on the boat. How? Did they just like <laughs> ask him to come on the boat and he agreed? Nicely. I guess. I don't think so because he's he's chained and he doesn't seem very happy about it. So did about they it. like well, well later, so a bit later in the same scene, they established that they have sedatives in place for Kong. Yeah. So like but maybe it, they hit him with a sedative and that's how they put him on the boat. <laughs> it had to be a gigantic fucking sedative. It feels like there's there was a whole scene that was missing from this movie. Yeah. Where they, where they had to capture I mean, Kong I, and bring him not, onto the ship. I mean, like, the idea that they could get him onto the boat is not, you know, that's that's fairly believable as far as I'm concerned. I didn't necessarily need to see it. But, like... Yeah, but I'm just saying, it, 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 there's a whole plot logic gap going on here. It is a little logic that it, it is kind here. of a sudden cut, I suppose. Yeah, um, um, but anyway, with Kong, they need him to traverse the hollow earth for them because they're working for Apex, and Apex needs unobtainium from the center <laughs> of the earth. They need the hollow earth energy. and The hollow earth energy to fucking power up Mechagodzilla to, quote, replace Mechagodzilla? To replace regular is, Godzilla. Yeah. Right, to replace Godzilla. And this is never really clarified as to what it means to replace Godzilla. Well, the idea is... So Godzilla, or at least as far as this universe is concerned, the role of Godzilla is that he is there to protect, or, well, at least as far as their interpretation of what he's doing is concerned. Um, he is there to protect the humans from other bad titans. Except for uh, when he destroys cities. Well, I mean technically he does he does destroy cities but it's only in the pursuit of defeating other bad titans yeah that's the thing is that like i i buy like a mothra being like defender of humanity type sort but with godzilla it always seemed to me like he would just battle other titans because he wanted to be the biggest and the baddest and he didn't really much care if there were cities in the way yeah i i think that okay and that's kind of what they're going for here the difference is that he'll also once he's you know, established his superiority, he then proceeds to leave the humans alone. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, is that the plot kind of wants Godzilla to have been different than he was in the previous two films. Well, no, it's... It, I, don't, I don't know if I would agree with that. I don't think like, that we really saw in Godzilla 2014 or King of the Monsters Godzilla showing any respect or care for humanity. Well, he does save, well, he does save uh, Monarch. I feel Ghidorah. like saving Monarch... And saving humanity was more just like an accidental Well, I mean, thing. it kind of happened by happenstance. But, okay, right. I think you might have a point if after he did that, he then proceeded to wreck a city for the fuck of it and betray their trust Polgasari style. But well, he no, doesn't, I'm, he I'm doesn't do that. <laughs> what I'm saying is that he, his main motivation isn't protecting humanity. It, it, they, as they state with the whole, you know incredibly over-explained alpha titan dynamic that king king kong and godzilla they are out to assert their dominance yeah so if that's true then godzilla wouldn't have this altruistic motive to do that he would just you know destroy cities in the pursuance of getting to other kaijus you know by accident yeah but i don't think yeah i don't think this version of godzilla i think there's a certain level of like respect the king in most of the titan community so therefore godzilla doesn't really bother to 
destroy cities most of the time as you know he's he's operating on that if you don't bother me i don't bother you right um, but this gets into my question as to what role godzilla actually serves that needs to be replaced by mechagodzilla well, again, is it being the alpha titan yes but then why can't they just have king kong do that considering kong is a much more altruistic and friendly monster well i think their reasoning is that they want a titan that is fully controlled by humanity and has no agency of their own and because of that they're the bad guys yeah which which again doesn't make any sense to me you know well because... if, well if you adapt the logical mindset of titan supremacy then <laughs> it makes perfect sense i mean yeah if you basically if you ignore that godzilla and kong kill people in this movie and that they're dangerous and that anytime another titan shows up millions of people in a city will be at, at in danger then sure it makes sense that godzilla and kong should be allowed to do their shit and not be destroyed by mecha godzilla but if you think about it for more than five seconds i think the logic of it really doesn't work well the the, the fact of the matter okay well and look th this is going back to our king of the monsters argument but this right. is the one of the main conceits of this universe is that the existence of the titans is a net positive and which i again, know you don't only... care for that but, but here's the thing, what, is that even in King of the Monsters, it's not really a net positive either, because Godzilla has to destroy all the other kaiju who are killing all the cities. Well, he doesn't, and if, well, he doesn't destroy all the kaiju. He defeats Ghidorah, right. who's an invasive species, but then all of the other Titans, you know, once they learn to respect their king, he doesn't kill them. Like, well, the argument that the kaiju are positive comes from their positive, like, you know, radiation that helps, like, make a lot of plants grow and shit, Yeah, right? it helps the environment. But then Godzilla, who is supposedly at the from Godzilla vs. Kong, the good guy, comes in and stops them from wrecking all the shit. So really, the Titans aren't a net positive if they're if they're creating more life in the way that kills millions of people. Look, so it it doesn't make sense. The re the the universe <laughs> they made doesn't make any sense. Look, just go with it, okay? Um, anyway, okay. <laughs> moving back to the plot so they get kong on the boat they have this whole set of tankers i like the detail that they need a whole tanker just for kong because he's that fucking big like right and all right so there's a so apparently the heave engines are powerful enough to uh power vegas for a week remember that mm -hmm. that comes back later yes uh, there's a badass line about how kong bows to no one like that line. kong bows to no kong one. bows to no one uh there's um this we also forgot to mention that uh, Millie Bobby Brown's character ends up getting involved with uh, not uh, not guy in the chair from Spider Man. Yeah, that yeah that does yeah that happens in a bit. Um, yes, there's a, there's a really gorgeous shot of like Kong and Gia at night. It's like there's some there's some water, and like we find out that Gia can communicate with Kong through sign language, which yeah, and I wish the whole like uh, Gia Kong dynamic had more going on in the plot than just her showing up in the third act. But it, this know. movie is doing a lot of things in a very short amount of time because the studio felt that they had to cut it down to yeah. minimize the humans. Hashtag so, release the Wingard cut. Yes, I know Adam <laughs> Wingard has said publicly that like, oh, this you know we had a lot of footage, but I think this cut's the best one. I I 
I, I say release the four-hour version. Hashtag release the Re hashtag. Release the seven-hour Godzilla vs. Kong. No, there is a... With, well, no, they didn't with film, complete backstories no, they didn't, for the... They didn't for, film for, seven for, hours of footage. They filmed five hours of footage. I know. I was kidding. I, okay. Um, so release the bleach cut. Release the bleach cut. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, so, anyway. So, yeah. So, Maddie uh, teams up with her friend Josh, who is... Yeah, he's kind of like Ned. He's, he's Ned from Spider-Man. He's Ned from Spider-Man, but it's 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 Julian Dennison, who you may remember from uh, Hunt for the Wilder People and Deadpool Two. Mm -hmm. um, and so they so they get in this guy's van. They get in. They get. To be fair, maybe Bernie. Maybe Bernie would have been more funny if I had seen this prior to one six twenty one. Yeah, I think had this come out before one six twenty one, if the pandemic hadn't happened, and this had released at the time it was supposed to release. I think the jokes might have come off better. I, mm -hmm. I, I'm also, to be fair, and, you know, I think Bernie's funny, but I'm also the person who thinks Ronaldo is funny. So... Yeah, I mean, I like Ronaldo be... just to spite people that don't like Ronaldo. <laughs> but it's not, it's not like, a, an ironic thing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and then uh, Bleach Guy yeah, and... So, yeah, so they track him through his Bleach purchases... Because yes. he apparently showers with bleach to protect against organic tracking technology. And, or, okay, technology. here's the thing. Uh, here's the thing, boys and girls uh, and, and non-binaries. Um, I work with chemical cleaners. And even if that wouldn't kill you, you really, you, you need to wear gloves when you work with chemical cleaners. Because mm -hmm. a direct skin exposure to that stuff bleach or otherwise will fuck up your skin like nothing yeah. else so even if he's not dead from that he should be covered in all sorts of weird boils and skin cracks and shit <laughs> if he's and it's kind of weird that, that that they just like dropped like oh he bathes in bleach oh that's funny it's, what a nutcase it's, it's wacky and kooky what a wacky conspiracy theorist <laughs> um but yeah, so they track him down. Yeah, they track and they him meet down the guy the at the kiosk, the guy at, at the grocery store. Yeah, the guy at the bodega. They make a Tide Pod mm -hmm. joke. Um, yes, and that is even dated for when this movie was going oh, to come out. Yeah, but to be fair, it's it's still true. Don't eat Tide Pods, kids. Don't eat Tide Pods unless they're tasty. No. <laughs> and uh, I I do like the bit where you know they're they're trying to haggle him. And then at the very end, when he, when the, when Josh just pulls out the dollar bill asking for candy, he's just like, "Oh, you mean Bernie? Yeah, I know that guy. He buys, he buys a lot of bleach. If you buy a large fish, <laughs> I'll give you his address." <laughs> like that's that's funny. Um, um, yeah, and then they track him they down. They track him and down, he, and, and he's they... like Maddie, last name, and he's like, and it, it, you have to kind of wonder how does he know who Maddie no, is? He, he I knows guess who he Maddie must... is because Maddie tells him about her parents. That her father works for Monarch and that her mother was Emma Russell. Right, right, but, and that's but then, the reason but then he agrees to even. He says Matt at Maddie Russell like that, and it's like, well, I guess he knew who Emma Russell was, but like, I don't know. It's a little weird that this guy would just be like, "Yeah, small child, I'm going to take you on a conspiracy adventure." Well, to be fair, he is a crazy person. That is true. He is a crazy person. Yeah. Um. And then he has this little speech about how he uh, he lost his wife. Yeah, he lost his wife, and he keeps doesn't really resolve whiskey in a gun holster as a reminder yeah. of his dead wife. 
Um, there's jokes about fluoride in tap water. Um, okay. Which, um, uh, yeah. That's, uh, whatever. <laughs> uh, so the fluoride conspiracy is actually very interesting. It dates back to the Stanley Kubrick film, Dr. Strange Lover, How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb, in which a confused and, uh, crazy general launches the nuclear missiles because he believes it's the only way to stop the mind control experiments that are being done with fluoride in the tap water. Um, and with the whole conspiracy theories around uh, Stanley Kubrick, I think some nutcases thought that he was trying to tell us something. Okay, because so. here's, the, here's the thing about that, though, is that you probably shouldn't drink unfiltered tap water, but it's not because of mind yes, control fluoride. It's because of, like, you know, other... You should drink water straight from the river. Bacteria and... Sh straight from the river. It's, how, it's the best way to get uh, Brian, the, you better the, the gems and minerals. Brian, you better pray to God that nobody from Flint, Michigan is listening to this right now. <laughs> If you're from Flint, Michigan, I'm very sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't drink. Have a, a biofilter, kids. <laughs> Turn on the water. It's just fucking fire. <laughs> fucking fire. I don't even know how that happened. Uh, anyway. All right. So anyway, so Team Kong makes it to the to the Tasman Sea. And mm -hmm. we find out that apparently... So, so Gia is one of the Iwi natives who you may remember from kong skull island apparently they were wiped yes. out in a storm but kong managed to save gia and thus kong has now made a commitment to to protect her um oh i should like to mention that when we first are introduced to the iwi native the deaf girl yeah. um i really like the way that they introduce the fact that she's deaf with a purely auditory experience like they go from godzilla's perspective uh, not godzilla they go from king kong's perspective with all the sound and everything and then goes to like a almost like a tunnel sound to when we go to her perspective yeah. and then we go out of it again. I thought that was kind of clever. Yeah, that was really um, cool. I like that. That's some good show-don't-tell storytelling going on right there. Yes. All right, so they want to use Gia to try and tell Kong what to do. And, of course, they're like, well, no, she's a child. Don't do that. Um, but then, of course, Godzilla has arrived. He, he, he is here because he's, you know, he sensed, oh, there's, this other, there's a rival alpha here. I can't have that shit. So... <laughs> but I also have another question with him attacking Monarch and he, him attacking the Apex facility. How did he know that the Apex facility was plotting against him? Well, I, th I think my, my theory is, okay, so later we find out that, you know, they're powering Mechagodzilla with the Ghidorah mm -hmm. head, right? Yes. And he was able to sense Ghidorah in the mm -hmm. previous movie. So I think maybe he can hmm. sense the idea that Ghidorah's consciousness is on some level active. <laughs> like, this was probably explained better in the longer version. Like, and this gets into one of my issues with the MonsterVerse, is that I think that the plots are a little bit too complicated for the movie that they're going for. Uh, like all you really need for Godzilla versus Kong is to have Kong to have Godzilla attack a city. You know, and then government brings in Kong to fight him. You know, like in King Kong versus Godzilla, which they actually they reference with the several shots of Kong being airlifted. Yeah, there's a, a there's net. a few different callbacks to the original mm -hmm. King Kong versus Godzilla. Um, yeah, which... but instead we get like this journey to the center of the Earth H.G. Wells tribute, which is kind of reminiscent of early kaiju films of the 1940s, like The Land Unknown where a bunch of explorers would go to Antarctica and then they'd fall through to a previously undiscovered location where dinosaurs survived. Um, 
So if you're into that kind of movie, then Godzilla vs. Kong will be like a nice nod to you. But for me, I, I felt that it was a little bit too much of a detour away from the stuff I wanted to happen. Then again, some of the actual Hollow Earth creatures I thought were interesting designs. Um, and I'm always looking forward to any new kaiju designs, any new kaiju introductions. Um, that's kind of one of my issues with the MonsterVerse is that besides the skull crawlers, I wish that they would have introduced a new original kaiju. I think that would have been a lot of fun. Mm, well, I, I, I don't know if that's really necessary. I mean, it's hypothetically interesting, but I just, there's so much you can mm -hmm. play around with in the source material already that, mm -hmm. you know. But it, like uh, that's why I really about sh loved about Shin Godzilla is that even though it's a Shin, uh, even though it's a Godzilla remake, is that they introduced new forms Godzilla took that looked yeah, entirely different. That's true. I thought that was a lot of fun. Um, um but uh, anyways, so yes, so Godzilla, so Godzilla arrives and we round one, fight, and we yes, we get the fight. first Godzilla versus Kong battle, and I I love all of the action in this movie. It's so fucking good and. Just the clever, all the different clever ways they incorporate Godzilla and Kong's various abilities and how they relate to the environment they're fighting, and I think it's just so, it's just awesome. So for so for starters, in this fight, because we're on the ocean, because you know it's all a whole bunch of tankers, uh, Godzilla knows he has the advantage underwater. So Godzilla is constantly trying to get Kong underwater because he knows because you know he can breathe underwater and he can swim, but Kong can't. So he can ease. So Godzilla can easily get him. So he's constantly mm -hmm. trying to drag him underwater. And there's a point where he does, and they're grappling each other. And then Kong is able to like climb out of the water and like use a tanker to balance himself. So he gets up on the tanker. He lets. He just grabs a jet out of the air and just throws it at Godzilla. Like, <laughs> I threw a jet at him. <laughs> yeah. That's, um. That's with really with these action scenes, I think they're okay. Honestly, uh, my issue with the action scenes and the Godzilla King of the Monsters and also this movie Godzilla vs. Kong not so much an issue with the Gareth Edwards film uh, is that I feel like a lot of the fight scenes come off a bit too much like CGI video game looking type stuff have you I, uh, they, these look up these uh, I, I don't know if you've played a lot of video games recently but these look a lot better than a vast majority of video game cuts. Well, I mean, video game graphics are increasing every they year. Are, they We're are starting to have like 4K year, I would, I would video still, game graphics. I would still say that you know this well, is this is bad. When I say that, I, I what I mean more is that there is less attempt to try and make something look realistic in its environment than it is to make something look fluid or I guess cool. Uh, I didn't find it that cool, but you, of course, other people did. It's definitely one of the more popular MonsterVerse movies. Yeah, this is, um, I think it is the, I think at this point it might be the most financially successful. Um, I haven't looked at the number. It, it is Outgrowth King of the Monsters. Um, yeah. And even what we can say about, you know, like Gareth Edwards' Godzilla, you know, of course, there was issues with not showing Godzilla enough. I did respect that it kept such a limited point of view on Godzilla. I respected the attempt. I, I yeah. don't. I didn't really like the execution. It really, it really gave us a sense of the scale. I, I think I, I, of these two yeah, monsters. Yeah, I can respect that. I, it didn't really work for me, but I can, re mm -hmm. I can at least respect the attempt. It's the execution right. I have a problem with. But that's neither here nor there. Right. And but I, when we, when we integrate the CGI and the live action of the actors looking at the stuff happening. Uh, oftentimes, I feel like it doesn't uh, seem like uh, these people are as frightened as they should be, 
or maybe even that they it doesn't seem like these two events are happening I mean, in the in same fairness, physical I, I environment. I mean, in fairness, at this point you know? in the universe, they're probably kind of used to it. Like that's true. This is a but the 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 VFX just they they don't necessarily work for me in this. I I think Shin Godzilla did it better, and that's just going to be my refrain <laughs> for all of the rest of this episode is I'm a big Shin Godzilla fanboy. Um, just go watch Shin Godzilla. It's fantastic. I love it so much. Uh, but anyway, Chris, what happens So anyway, next? so, so, all right. So yeah, so Kong throws the jet at him. There's this really great shot of Godzilla, like crawling out of the water, like, rah! and then like Kong, Kong goes in for the right hook. He punches him and he's like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Let me breathe. But then Godzilla gets back up and he bitch slaps it right back. And Kong, just falls down down to the ground and then Kong comes back in with the body slam and and then and then and he knocks Godzilla underwater and Godzilla's all like all right I'll show you now atomic breath and then Kong jumps out of the way of the atomic breath and then they go back underwater and Godzilla's grappled him again oh my god I fucking love this scene so much um I mean it's a it's a decently produced scene I I just I think yeah I I just I love all the ways they that the action and how they incorporate these characters abilities into what uh, is basically a giant kaiju wrestling match i'm like i'm yeah i'm glad they've realized that what we all that a lot of what we've come here to see is to watch the two humanoid kaiju two most humanoid kaiju grapple at each other like it's fucking wwe but they're animals <laughs> um one thing i would criticize is that i feel like godzilla you could have integrated the fact that he's a lizard a bit more well, I mean, into I his think, movements well i think the i like how they do like of course he's bipedal you know and you know the, yeah. the underwater stuff i think is a good incorporation of that um, mm -hmm. um but yeah it, it does come off kind of like a, a wrestling match and i think that um, works for for me like, I mean, I have no problems with the suitmation stuff of the Japanese films. I think that, actually, they're a bit more charming, honestly, than some of the CGI I in mean, this. I mean, uh, we, we had this argument. Well, we had this Yes, we, we've had this discussion monsters, before. And yes. the suitmation is, is, you know, there's a charm to it. I, mm -hmm. I, will, I won't lie. And, you know, a lot of those films are great. This is not meant to be a knock against any of those films. But I like the idea of with these new movies with these monsterverse movies to be able to be like okay like say like when mothra fights Ghidorah, for example like instead right. of it being a big puppet slamming into another big puppet what if it was actually a giant moth fighting mm -hmm. an actual giant three-headed dragon who shoots lightning like yeah and I, I i do agree that you know cgi can definitely work in a kaiju film I just think that uh, the optimal way, and I, you can cite certain things like Lord of the Rings, the Lord of the Rings films, that integrating practical effects and CGI, I think, is always the best approach. While the MonsterVerse movies have usually been more green screen and CGI. Well, there heavy, is there I is think. there is mocap to an extent. Um... Right, there's motion capture and stuff like that, but that's kind of par for the course for any sort of CGI creature nowadays. Yeah. Ever since, uh, you know, Gollum made that a whole thing. Obviously, yes. Of course. Yes. Um, so what happens next, All right, Chris? so anyway, so Godzilla seemingly has Kong pinned down, but the human, the, the, te the Team Kong humans are like, all right, but Godzilla's not going to show up until, like, Kong is, like, dead, so we need to, like, end this if we're going to survive. So, like, we need to play dead. Turn off everything. And so mm -hmm. they play dead, and Godzilla's like, all right, looks like I won. I'm going to go now. So, round one winner, Godzilla! Woo! Yeah! And the crowd goes wild. 
<laughs> What's weird to me is that uh, the whole like round one, round two, round three, this is a boxing match with giant monsters thing actually is in the text of the movie. <laughs> Like at one point at later on in the Hong Kong yeah, fight, one they literally, of them literally say says, like round two, goes round to Kong. two went to Kong, and it's like, okay, but these are like giant or human destroying monsters. Shouldn't you be a bit more concerned <laughs> about like you know the loss of life than the fucking who's gonna win? Okay, but consider big lizard fight on big... your on your kaiju March Madness <laughs> bracket. Okay, but consider big lizard fight big monkey. Okay, so what happens next, Chris? All right, so then they're like, all right, well, if we move again, Godzilla's kind of come back. How are we supposed to finish this? And then I said the Alexander Skarsgård character is just like, so how's Kong with heights? Which, of course, is a reference yeah, to the fact a that he's always on a skyscraper. Because they airlift him. Um, mm-hmm. so then we... And I'd like to talk a bit about what King Kong means in the grander scope of Kong Kongness. Uh, so King Kong in 1933 was... Basically, he was a monster that was then taken from his home and then put up for display. And then, you know, he uh, was destroyed by the military. Right. And at the end, someone said, you know, it was beauty that killed the beast. Well, well, it was, well when you think about it, it wasn't actually beauty. It was, you know, the, the military. It was the military. Yeah, right. It was the airplanes. <laughs> it was but the airplanes. It, was, it, was his, it was his lust for, for the woman, his love for a human woman that he was not supposed to have. Hashtag King um, Kong did nothing wrong. <laughs> King Kong didn't do anything wrong, absolutely. And uh, in this movie, they they almost start to do something similar, where they're bringing Kong to the Hollow Earth, and then they lie to him to tell him that his family is down there when you know he actually they actually aren't. And you feel like he would have some sort of you know justifiable angry reaction to the humans because King Kong's whole idea is that he's not actually monstrous; it is the society around yeah, him society, that treats him that's monstrous. Yeah. It's, it's the uh, insert, fact that the society won't leave him the fuck alone. <laughs> right. Insert, uh, you, he's no monster guest on. Um, you, you are. are. <laughs> yeah. So I always felt like King Kong should have had a, a more positive and alt- altruistic kind of motivation in the monster verse. But even in this, when he's being tricked, you feel like he should like have some sort of vengeance quest against mm. the humans, but he ends up not having any. It's kind of bizarre. And I'm not really sure what Kong wants considering that they do. It, uh, this movie is interested in the supposed motivations of the Kaiju, you know? Yeah. I'm not quite sure what Kong wants, thinks or feels really, <laughs> you know, despite the fact that everything in the story revolves around him on this quest to return to his homeland and yeah. take the throne which itself doesn't directly tie into anything besides gaining the axe with the final battle so the whole, the whole middle section of the film feels like this kind of bizarre detour to me i i'm not really I think sure what it, it was meant to accomplish i think it works but i guess i can see how how you would interpret it that way mm-hmm. but uh Anyway, so but anyway, Chris, what happens? Next? All right, so anyway, so the the human Godzilla team breaks into the Apex headquarters, um, and Bernie has what might be the most conspiracy theory line of all time, where he says like the it's the Illuminati running shadow economies all to build a hidden mm-hmm. colony for the elite. In case any of these governments or mega corporations accidentally hit the doomsday button, yes, that is a and line in this, this film. Is pl- played off for jokes, and it's really more concerning. <laughs> but it's weird. nobody in the movie finds it concerning, 
And you gotta also wonder, why does Millie Bobby Brown seemingly believe all of this nonsense, considering that she has, like, an actual scientist as a father a, that must have, like, taught her the scientific method? She's an emotionally vulnerable teenager. Okay. I guess her mom did die five years ago, and she's still somehow in high school. Yeah, that, like, how old was she in, the, in King of the Monsters? <laughs> It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's a weird timeline thing simply because, and it only is a, it's only a super big, it's only the, the only reason it's at all substantial as a problem is because there's a five-year time skip. And there wasn't a five-year time skip in the real world. Exactly, and and she still looks the same that she she, did I mean, she looks a little older because Millie Bobby Brown got a little older, but... That's true, but, like, she doesn't look like she's out of high school yet. Yeah, even though the movie says she is in high school. Yeah. yeah. But, but that doesn't... So unless wasn't she was, she also she in high school in be... King of the Monsters? Yeah, so unless... Yeah, unless... Is there five-year high school terms unless in this we, universe? Unless we were misinterpreting what year she was supposed to be in in high school, <laughs> and she was actually, like, thir- she was actually meant to be, like, 13 or something. This don't make no it, sense. It's weird. It's a bit um, odd. Um, but anyway, Chris, what happens So anyway, next? so Apex has skull crawlers, and they're all like, oh, what's going on here? And then they get on the Regal Cinemas roller coaster because they get yep. on the little pod to go to Hong Kong. And my immediate first thought is, oh, hey, it's the roller coaster from Regal Movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so then uh, they end up discovering yeah. Mechagodzilla. Yeah, that comes, right? uh, yeah, well, first we cut back to Kong. who's been He's been airlifted to Antarctica. There's more Kong and Gia bonding, and then there's the thing you were talking about where, like, they go to the Hollow Earth, the and they have the 2001 Gia, Space Gia Odyssey tells moment. Kong that his family might be down there, even though that's yeah. not necessarily true. Um, the seizure procedure they have the shot 2001... happens where they go to where they go into the Hollow Earth. Um, I very yeah, certainly... which is obviously just a reference to 2001: A Space Odyssey, huh. but you know, worse. Um, look, they've gone to black. They've gone to black. <laughs> Someone should do an edit of that scene where it is actually they actually do go to plaid. Um, That'd be great. Yeah. So they go to the Hollow Earth, and I really, I really like this location. It's such a you know beautiful and sort of distinct locale. I hope they use it more in in future films. There's all these different you know mountains and crevices and all the especially as you mentioned all these different creatures. So, you know. Right, and I wish we would have spent a lot more time of the movie in the Hollow Earth because I think uh, exploring these new creature designs and what a ecology in a Hollow Earth yeah. that you know survived dinosaurs would look like that'd be very I interesting. I feel like but... this could potentially be setting up like the actual Kong too. So if like you know if we get Kong Hollow Earth in a couple years down the line, I'd be down. I you know. Yeah, uh, but as it is, they throw in a couple new kaiju and yeah, they both get, big, get like uh, murdered snakes. or eaten by Kong yeah. and it doesn't really amount to much in the grand scheme of the movie well, it's, which it, is it weird. gives us an excuse to behold the majesty of nature and, right. and to see and, Kong fly through the air like a beautiful swan <laughs> and and then the apex people start drilling and yeah. they, they get the thing and that they get the unobtainium and then uh, Kong whisperer girl who by the way, it has like nothing to do in this movie. She's like, "Well, wait, you shouldn't be drilling here, even though that was the plan the whole time." And we're never exactly, we never really understand why she's objecting to this now, or I don't she think, was like did they not misled. I think the, I think I, he might have been misled. Okay, but that's not in the final version of the movie. It's it's not entirely clear. I'll admit. So anyway, so Team yeah. Godzilla, the humans, they arrive in in Hong Kong. Um, 
They arrive. The, they... the color combination in the Hong Kong, <laughs> Kong City is just really eye bleeding. It's it's so it's so hard to look but at. Brian, don't you love um, neon? I do. I do like some neon colors, but the problem is, is that you know, with with color theory, you, know, <laughs> you usually want to have two or at most three contrasting colors in a shot, usually on op- opposite ends of the color wheel. But what this does, it has like seven fucking colors, <laughs> all in the same shot, and it feels like my eyes are being like puked on, like somebody just ate a lot of Skittles and is puking in my eyeballs. Um, I thought so it, it looked good, but that's... It's very visually busy, it's very difficult to see what they're actually doing, and I think they might have used the color combination because it helped, you know mask some of the fx work that might not have uh been fully completed due to them you know covid cutbacks yeah. and stuff like that. i i uh, thought it looked good and i could see it perfectly it looked like fine. the ending of the original joss whedon justice league well mm, but a bit better well yeah well first of all that was way worse and second of all <laughs> that was that was one color and that was just red it's just red right, everywhere. Red. But I'm saying it's that same kind of slapdash post-production mm, color green. I don't know if I I don't know if I agree with you on there. Um, okay. Well, we can disagree to disagree. Yeah, we can agree to disagree. Um, we can agree to disagree to agree. Yeah. Um. Whatever. So anyway, so they end up in the in the corporate friendly sacrifice pit. Um, yes. And they and we are introduced to the worst kept secret of the movie. Mechagodzilla. Oh my god. Okay, you guys. Um, you guys. All right. So I have been right, waiting. Hot, hot take. I think I don't really like this Mechagodzilla oh, design. My god. Well, you. Well, you're not a true Mechagodzilla stan anyway. Like I. I am. I. I love those movies. I have them on Blu-ray. Uh, Terror of Mechagodzilla is the best one. Or maybe uh, Tokyo SOS is also so great. Godzilla against Mechagodzilla is clearly the best one. Like. Uh, that's debatable. <laughs> Um, but I, I really love Mechagodzilla's design in the Toho films, yeah. and in this one, he's kind of like this dark gray metallic color, and he looks like more he's a like a robot or something. Yeah, but he looks more like a, a transformer, honestly. Well, to be like fair, a um, Bay Transformer. Uh, well, okay, not Michael Bay, not not a Bayformer, but um, uh, Adam Wingard has said that the Mechagodzilla design was inspired by Transformers, like. Mm-hmm. He, because Adam Wingard, like he grew up with the original, like the '80s Transformers, and was inspired by you know that particular design philosophy. And on it doesn't the, look on like the, the Toho on one, the and I don't like things that are different. <laughs> well, all right. So, anyways, uh, to get back to my fanboyism. So, also, there is no missile fingers. There's a little bit. There's a. There's a. No, the, he shoots missiles, but the the shot is way too uh, motion blurred to actually see. Whether or not it's missile fingers, they don't. They don't. I, admittedly, they don't fully commit to it. But you know, well, that's because he had in this version he has big claw hands. Mechagodzilla is too silly for American audiences. We got to make him less silly. Let's take out the missile fingers. Well, yeah, because he's got claw hands. He's got them big old claw yeah. hands. I just want my Johnny Sacco and his flying robot missile <laughs> fingers. Is that too much to ask? Okay. Well, but well, maybe when we get a dedicated Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla movie, they'll put the missile fingers back in. We'll have to wait. Good. And see. So, okay. Anyways, back to my fanboyism. 
So I have I love Mechagodzilla. He's like one of my favorite kaiju because you know it's Godzilla, as, but it's a giant robot. You know that's inherently awesome. And I've been waiting for them to put them in, put him in the MonsterVerse for so long, and they finally did it, and he looks amazing. I love everything about him. I love how you know the the spikes go like chong chong chong, and he has the with the eyes, and he has the the mechanized roar like and he has this. And once again, I'd like to point out that you know we're supposed to be rooting against Mechagodzilla. Well, he's the bad guy. He's the, Which he's doesn't the, make he's any the sense. the monster made by the evil corporation that's evil. Yeah, I'd like to point out, the evil corporate guy is like Transformers Age of Extinction level of bland. <laughs> like, he has very little motivation besides, I'm gonna replace Godzilla because it's good for humanity. <laughs> and we're supposed to be like, no, even though what you said is logical, I disagree. No, it's not um, logical within the context of this universe. Therefore, you're a bad person. Your evil corporation is clearly evil. <laughs> Um, uh, all he needed to do was use the uh, Hollow Earth unobtainium to turn it into the pill, and this all went circle. Transform. The pill. He makes it. He'll make it. <laughs> yeah. Instead, Godzilla. Instead of fighting Mechagodzilla, they fight Galvatron. <laughs> yeah, it'd be great. Um, so, um, I mean, I would, I would kill for a Godzilla Transformers crossover, but that's neither here nor there. Um, that is neither there nor here. Anyway, so yeah, so I really like this Mechagodzilla design. I think it's really cool. I think it works within the context of the MonsterVerse, and I feel like it makes sense of you know to be a replacement for Godzilla. And one of the weapon changes that I do actually really like. So in most versions of Mechagodzilla, he's got laser eyes, but in this mm -hmm. version, he's got laser breath. So it's like Godzilla's atomic breath. I'm like, that's really cool. Right. I like that. Um, yeah, I guess that's kind of cool. But the inside of Mechagodzilla, by the way, also has, again, with the lighting choices that don't make any sense in all of the MonsterVerse films. Um, I guess in Gareth Edwards' case, it kind of made sense that they were trying to do something dark and gritty in 9-11. But like after that, King of the Monsters, Godzilla vs. Kong, not Kong Skull Island, the colors in that made sense. Uh, in this, inside of uh, Mechagodzilla's like, head is bisexual lighting, which if you don't know what bi-lighting is, it's purple. It's, a, it's like a purple-blue, pink-blue contrast. It's a two-color contrast. And it's made so that in the middle is purple, and it's really good at um, lighting, particularly uh, actors of color and uh, other things like that. But also, it's just kind of bizarre to me. Like, usually in uh, bi-lighting scenarios, there's usually something lurid going on, or something like, you know, oh, is this person a secret degenerate bisexual oh, man. Mecha, or something Mecha, like that. Mecha Godzilla makes my dick rock hard. <laughs> Mechagodzilla is bi now, Mecha, canonically. Mechagodzilla is a chaotic bisexual. I mean, that's always just... Yeah, they, they, got, they got bisexual mood lighting. I mean, what else do you it, ask for? And also, by the way, there was a guy operating the yeah, Mechagodzilla. Yeah, Ren, Ren Serizawa. was operating the Mechagodzilla until he gets, like, shocked in the brain. And I was confused as to what happened with Ren Serizawa there. I think the what idea happened? is that he's supposed to be, like at least kind of possessed by the ghost of Ghidorah, or at least that was a version what? of it. Like, because Ghidorah's consciousness takes over. What? Um, that's... <laughs> that's what? <laughs> Why did Mechagodzilla need to be powered by Ghidorah at all? All right, we'll get to... Well, well we're about to get to that. Okay. So, right, so yeah. So, we'll, we'll get to... The house of cards, the plot logic is all falling down. <laughs> we'll, get into, we'll get to it in a moment. But, all right, so, yeah, so... This is that's the real reason that Godzilla attacked Apex because you know they were trying to replace him, um, and that leads Godzilla down the path towards Hong Kong, um, and then uh, 
so we cut back to Kong. He gets into his temple and he sits on his throne and he finds an axe made from one of Godzilla's dorsal spikes. I will say it's a little weird how he this is a thing he just kind of finds. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense, I suppose. But like, based on the trailers, I thought he was going to like make it. You know, like you know, I I really think <laughs> that King Kong should have just fought him with a tree again, so then we could have the scene where he shoves the tree no, down his a, throat, like in King Kong vs. Godzilla. There, there's an homage there to is. it, but we'll there is, but it's not down his throat. We'll talk so. about we'll talk about it in a moment. Um, mm-hmm. so uh, yeah, so the apex, yeah, so yes, so we discover that the apex are using a severed Ghidorah head to power Mechagodzilla to create a psionic interface between the pilot and the mech itself because Ghidorah is psychic yeah because apparently? Ghidorah's three heads communicated telepathically uh-huh but okay you know when when you know when we have like uh conjoined twins um they usually just control each half of the body well it's like well so... the, the explanation is that they communicated telepathically because their necks were so long that makes absolutely no <laughs> fucking sense <laughs> but fine chris what happens next all right so anyways so uh so they so they charge so kong charges the axe with the core's radiation and that's when apex come in to steal the hollow earth energy and then the hollow earth seemingly gets pissed at them because a bunch of pterodactyls go and murder the apex people (laughs) yeah and there's like no result of this it's just like they come in and they kill these people uh, why does the Hollow Earth have energy? That's another thing that's bizarre. <laughs> the monster versus lore just keeps expanding with no explanation, or not enough explanation for the things it's expanding into. Imagine doing that. Imagine making up the lore as you go along on some sort of weird <laughs> sci-fi series. You know, I mean, Man. that's obviously something we would never do. Uh, yeah, you know? obviously. Yes. Um. So, anyways... <laughs> So, all right, so then Godzilla draws Kong uh, back to the surface, and after a DJ booth joke, we uh, get into round two, fight! Yay. And that's when we get the King Kong versus God- Godzilla homage, where Kong shoves the handle of the axe down Godzilla's throat, like that gift ah. that everyone shares online of King Kong shoving the tree up down Godzilla's throat, like, eat your veggies! Like, yes. Yeah. So that's that's really great. So he blocks the atomic breath uh, with the axe. He climbs up a whole bunch of buildings. This is another great fight that really takes advantage of Kong's abilities. And you know, of course, you know Kong, he's a climber. So all these skyscrapers, he's gonna climb. He's gonna climb them buildings to be able to, you know, strategically maneuver around Godzilla. And then he blocks mm-hmm. the atomic breath with the axe. And round two winner, Kong. So. We are, we are. And and one of our yeah, main of characters the, literally sol- is in a is in a fucking helicopter and says that all the, also. Yeah, I guess um, round two goes to Kong, um, and we almost immediately get into round three. Um, and there's more kaiju wrestling match. They just they're just grappling each other all over the place and trying to Godzilla's trying to get his atomic breath and Kong's coming in with the axe and axe and it eventually culminates and they have like a roaring contest. Like, Godzilla, like, pins Kong down, and they just start roaring at each other. It's, like, and they, it's great. I thought that scene was pretty stupid. I thought it was fun. And so, Uh. eventually, Kong collapses on the ground. So, 
Round three winner and overall reigning champion. And then Godzilla. Godzilla is about to kill King Kong. Um, Godzilla's about to kill King Kong when Kong lets out a, a raspy breath saying, Save Mothra. Yeah, everyone fucking, Save Mothra. Yeah, everyone fucking made that joke. <laughs> because literally, I mean, the same, the same thing happens here where, you know, the two guys, they end up not fighting anymore because they have to fight the real bad guy. Yeah, so anyway, so, so Mechagodzilla comes online and he, he, he goes BBS. and he becomes self-aware. And then we mm -hmm. get, I think, the scene that justifies Walter Simmons' entire existence in this movie. It's, it's hilarious. No. Where he starts going off on this whole speech where he's like, Ten years ago, when, God, when Gojira was first revealed to the world, I had a dream. And in that dream, the, there was this beautiful, amazing thing. And that beautiful, amazing thing was... And then he turns around... <laughs> And Mechagodzilla is staring at him through the window. And then he just goes, oh, shit. And God, Mechagodzilla just jams this claw through the window and fucking murders him. <laughs> I, I'm, you know, this is actually like a, a scene that's in like a lot of Hollywood movies, which is like whenever something big and terrible is about to kill somebody and then they look up and they go, oh, shit. And usually it's like they don't get to finish the shit because, you know, it's a PG-13 and then they get killed. It happened in, I think, Jurassic Park. Yeah, I think, I think um, Jurassic Park did, a, did something like that. Yeah, yeah. and I, it's it's like, it's another Hollywood trope. And it's like a... a I, I'm kind of sick of these <laughs> movies being so by the numbers and normal. Like, can we do something fucking weird already? <laughs> like, Godzilla versus... Like, Invasion of Astro Monster had a fucking alien invasion. <laughs> Like, can we get some fucking aliens in here? Well, we can... Can we stop... Can we stop <laughs> explaining everything? Please. <laughs> I'm so sick of every fucking Hollywood movie having to over-explain its plot. Like, just show us the plot, well, that, and well, we'll you wanna, get it on our own. Don't blame that on the screenwriters. Blame that on internet film quote-unquote critics. Who, like, have to nitpick every little thing, and that has pressured... Certain screenwriters be like, "Well, we have to explain it." So we in can, Lord of the Rings, why YouTube, didn't they just we, ride the ride yeah, the, so, the yeah, Eagles? Yeah, there's this pressure to YouTube-proof movies now, and I don't know if I, I I I feel like yeah, I can sort of agree with you that it is a problem, but you know, don't blame the screenwriters for that. I mean, so my major problem with all of the MonsterVerse films has been the writing, and it, this is the this is the climax of the entire MonsterVerse. This is why they made it, and the problem is still the writing. You know, and I feel like, can we can we get some new writers in here? Like, can we do something different? Um, but it feels like these things are you know so focus tested. Like they 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 need to be besides Kong School Island, which is a bit different. They all need to be like exactly the same, or at least you know Kong, King of the Monsters feels very similar to Godzilla vs Kong. Uh, both had horror movie directors that came from the independent scene and then went on to make a Hollywood film. Um, it feels like, you know, can we get like a, a visionary in here? Can we get somebody to make like their own take on the Godzilla franchise that's like stylish and artistic like they Hideaki Anno did with Shin Godzilla, you know, again, Shin Godzilla is great. Um, but I'm just, uh, it feels like there's something missing constantly with the MonsterVerse and I think it might be that creative spark. Um, 
and I just uh, I, I didn't like it. I didn't really like it that much. Uh, so he ends up they end up teaming up. Yeah, it's okay. Because, so now that all right, Death finally Girl, you're done Death with your Girl bad opinion. So Kong. anyway, so yeah, so we get a Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla fight. That's really cool. Mechagodzilla does a big jet punch thing, and they're trying to grab. There's a beam struggle, of course. That's great to see. Love that. Um, and. But then it's all like, oh, Kong's about to die. We got to restart his heart. We got, we'll use the heave. That's the only thing powerful enough to restart his heart. So they drop the heave on his. I like to point out this is the second time they've revived Godzilla in this franchise. Like they did the exact same thing. No, 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 no. They're not reviving Godzilla. They're reviving Kong in this one. Okay. Well, they're, they're reviving another kaiju again. Ryan, it's totally different. <sighs> They're literally reusing no, plot no, no, points no. from previous King films. In King of the Monsters, they used nuclear energy to charge Godzilla. And in this movie, they're using what basically amounts to a giant defibrillator. That's a pedantic difference, and Kong. you know it, Chris. It's totally different. It's totally Stop being so pedantic, different. Chris. <laughs> yeah, so, all right. So, yeah, so they do that. There's the beam struggle, and then Kong, Kong Kong's alive, and... All, and Gia is all like, and then and Deaf Girl's like, hey, you Godzilla need to fight Godzilla because Godzilla's the good guy. Yeah, apparently, Godzilla is the real enemy. We have to stop him. He's gonna destroy everything, and so you need. Yeah, to help he's, he wasn't actually gonna destroy. Oh, I mean, I guess he would destroy everything because he went independent. Yeah. Yeah. So, he, but originally, Mecha Godzilla wasn't going to destroy everything. But, but yeah, but then he became we're still supposed to root against him. I guess that's why they put the Ghidorah head in there, so that, you know, because there's no actual reason to root against Mechagodzilla, so they needed some reason for us to actually root against Mechagodzilla. Well, again, it's it's an established fact of canon that killing Godzilla would be a bad idea, so... Well, you say established fact of canon, in this I say in this bullshit universe, rationale. In this universe. Mm. In this universe. It is a conceit of this universe. Mm. So anyway, anyway, Chris, what happens next? All right, next? so then we, of course, we get the guts. Oh, and also, so right before Kong is in the fight, there's this great detail where, so Kong, like, got, like, dislocated his shoulder during the last fight with Godzilla, and when he gets up, the shoulder still hurts, and he's like, oh, God, my shoulder, but I gotta get back in the fight, and then he just bumps the shoulder against the building to relocate the shoulder. Just like, oh, all right, all right, it's working again. I'm gonna go. Like, that's, that's, that's such a great little detail. I love that. Um... Yeah, and then they fight. Yeah, so yeah, so then we get the Kong team up. Kong comes to the rescue, and Godzilla and Kong just beat. They the team shit up, and and they, they Mecha fight Mecha Godzilla. It's so fucking satisfying. I love. It's so fucking cathartic. I love it. They're just pounding on him. It's great. And then Mecha Godzilla uses his little worry spinny tail, tail because he's he's going after Kong. He's like, I'll show you. I've got my spinny tail now. And Kong's like, get it out of my face. And then. And then, uh, and then the whiskey pays off again because they're able to short out Mecha Godzilla for just long enough that normal Godzilla can be like, "All right, I got you, Kong," and he uses the atomic breath to charge the axe, and then he just starts pounding him with the axe, like bam, 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 and bam, and he rips off, and they're able to slice up Mecha Godzilla, and Kong rips off Mecha Godzilla's severed head as a spoil of war. The spine's hanging out like it's a fucking Mortal Kombat fatality. And uh, and just this is one of the single greatest images in the history of cinema. That's fine. It's, it's great. Kong. It's fine. Kong wins. 
Fatality. Um, again, we have another Godzilla vs. Kong movie where they they pussyfoot around the conclusion and don't actually have one no, no, of them no, definitively they, no, they win. No, they don't, they don't pussyfoot around the conclusion because before the team-up, Godzilla definitively wins. Yeah, but I feel like Kong should have got fucking murdered. Well, you don't, I feel like you don't, that well, would have worked. Wanna I think that, well, they don't want to kill off either of them because people like them and they want to put them in more movies. Okay, so if you want to put them in more movies, then in the Godzilla vs. Kong movie, can't the climax of the film be about Godzilla and Kong fighting and not them kumbayaing about beating up on a robot? Well, they, well, they, well, they, well, they finish the fight and Godzilla wins. And then Mechagodzilla is still out there, so they have to team up. So now Godzilla and Kong are friends. Again, this is like this is like Hollywood logic because they're they're like, all right, we need to put this in a plot structure, and in a plot structure, at the third act, there's the twist in the third act where you think Godzilla's gonna fight Kong, but oh no, they actually have to do something different than fighting Kong, and they it, it feels very like you know. Well, says the studio executive, this is how you plot it out. There's nothing in this movie that excited me, really, or surprised me, uh, besides the bleach stuff and the conspiracy <laughs> yeah, so bullshit. All right, so anyways. It feels like a by-the-numbers Hollywood Okay, but well, before we get into that, I wanted to, so let's talk, so to talk about, so Godzilla, so they beat up Mechagodzilla, and it's a fantastic final fight. All of the humans, uh. they, they reunite. Bernie asks Mark to go on to his podcast, and then Godzilla and Kong reach a mutual understanding because Godzilla's all like, all right, Kong, I know I tried to kill you, and I totally won that fight, but you helped me beat up Mechagodzilla. So we cool now? And Kong's like, yeah, yeah, we're cool. I'm going to put down this axe so you know there's no hard feelings because we're cool. You want to team up in the... fucking stupid. Because aren't they both Alpha Titans? Well, no, because well, they were, they, they're both Alpha Titans, but now they've realized... That they have that they have a mutual the mutual things in common, so they're friends now. Friendship, friendship is the key. Okay, okay, but here's the problem: is you introduced an animal dynamic of alpha of you know like which by the way is based off of bad wolf science. <laughs> um, there are no actual alpha wolves, by the way. Um, but so do you introduce this like pecking order dynamic that which implies an animalistic instinct. And then you say, no, actually being an alpha titan doesn't matter, even though it was the entire plot of King of the Monsters. Well, Instead, these are thinking, reasoning beings that can come to a peaceful understanding. Which, you know, feels kind of antithetical to the whole giant monsters fighting idea. You know, like, if you want to have them fight again, you're now going to have to contrive some well, no, reason no, no. for now them not to well, be friends anymore. Well, no, 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 now they fight, and now we can see them in future movies, they can team up, and they can team up to fight other monsters. Right, but this is my point, is that the movie wants to have its kaiju representation both ways, of them both being actual characters with actual thoughts and emotions, and being unthinking uh, alpha monsters that destroy things simply because they need to be on top. The problem is that these two ideas, I think, are mutually contradictory. If there, if the Alpha Titan thing is a genetic memory thing, and they have like this long-standing rivalry, and they have this dynamic where one needs to be on top, it doesn't make sense that even if they join together to beat Mechagodzilla, that they would have peaceful relations now in the universe that they've established. Well, I like the idea that Godzilla and Kong are friends. So, shut up. Godzilla has no friends. Well, he does now. <laughs> I, I'm Godzilla's friend. I'll be your friend, Godzilla. 
So anyway, so yeah, so Godzilla, so Godzilla is and the Kong, movie over yet? So Godzilla and Kong reach mutual understanding. Godzilla pieces out back into the ocean, and then Kong we establish that Kong lives in the Hollow Earth now, and he's home. And yes. that's the end of the movie. So to give uh, yeah. my overall thoughts, I think this movie. You know, could the humans have been written better? Was there stuff that was clearly cut for time? Sure. But when it comes to delivering on the main goal of this movie, which was Godzilla versus Kong, Godzilla and Kong, the meet and the fight, I think they delivered that very well. The three Godzilla and Kong battles, I think, are spectacular, and it shows off their unique abilities, who they are as characters, and the introduction of Mechagodzilla. Even if the human villain plot is a little undercooked, I think it still worked really well. I love his design. I love Mecha Undercooked. Godzilla. It's raw. I, it's raw, I love Mecha Godzilla, <laughs> and to see them team up, I think, was really satisfying. I fucking love that final action scene. It's so good, and I'm really looking forward to see what they could do with the what they're going to be able to do with the future of the MonsterVerse. There's no, uh, as far as I'm aware, there's no concrete plans yet, but they're probably going to do more because this movie did really mm-hmm. well, and. I very much enjoyed it. I think it is overall probably the best of the MonsterVerse so far. And I would give it 10 peak cinemas out of a total of 10 possible peak cinemas because Godzilla vs. Kong is peak cinema and this is not up for debate. To be clear, that is the full name of the scoring system. Uh, And you have to say the full name every time by law. And you also... Cannot use any other scoring system. You have to use this scoring system. No, I'm, I'm going to use my own scoring system. No, you have to use this one by law. Um, the law says so. So anyway, so Brian, what did you think of Godzilla vs. Kong? And how many peak cinemas would you give it out of a total of 10 possible peak cinemas? Because Godzilla vs. Kong is peak cinema and this is not up for debate. Well, for, if we're using that rating scale, then none because I do not consider it peak no, cinema. No, no, Brian. Brian. <laughs> Brian. No, no, no. So out of 10 possible monkeys i would give it five out of ten monkeys you're breaking um, the law you are breaking okay the law. <laughs> i think i've made my opinion on this movie uh clear so far but i'd like to defend my hot take which is that this movie is worse than king of the monsters um so king of the monsters yes the plot and the ecological terrorism stuff makes no sense is kind of politically a bad look and also a super weird plot point with characters that are very frustrating but at the same time, trying to have that sociological criticism does more than what Kong, Godzilla vs. Kong tries to do. What I'm saying here is that Godzilla King of the Monsters is a more ambitious movie than Godzilla vs. Kong. And I love King of the Monsters, but I just think Godzilla vs. Kong is better. Well, I, I, I'm not a huge fan of either, but I, I do enjoy, on a kind of guilty pleasure sense, King of the Monsters even though I think its plot is completely ridiculous. But Godzilla vs. Kong feels very by-the-numbers, kind of corporate-mandated. It feels like exactly what you'd expect a Hollywood Godzilla vs. Kong movie to be and look like. And it also has a weird smattering of conspiracy theory bullshit in there. That, uh, you know, it's not the problem that there's this character in it that's a conspiracy theorist. It's more the problem that, like, it's sort of uncritically uh, presented to us. Like, oh, yeah, he believes in bleach conspiracies and he fucking, uh, you know, believes in the Illuminati. Isn't that fun? And we have our main character, Millie Bobby Brown, who, by the way, was her character was murdered in this movie. There was a character assassination of her in the sense that she uh, got warped into believing all this nonsense and never went through any arc to get over it. 
I feel like Millie Bobby mm. Brown's character was really wasted in this film, and that overall, if this was the peak of the MonsterVerse, then the MonsterVerse was a gigantic letdown. You couldn't have it. You, you couldn't just humor me and give me that soundbite, Brian. You couldn't have just humored me and given me that. So soundbite. I give it five out of ten peak cinemas because it's not peak cinema, no, Brian. <laughs> well, in a sense. Just everything is cinema, so there is no true peak of cinema because everything is cinema. So, but I would give it five out of ten peak cinemas. Because full name. That is not the name, Brian. You just you just said peak cinema. No, you missed the that's the, the second part of the name. Mm, I'm not going to call it peak cinema. Chris. But that's the full name of the scoring system, and you have to say the full well, name every time. Well, by I law. give it five out of ten lizard versus monkey fights. Oh my God. You can't uh, just humor five... me. Come on. No. <laughs> Come on, please. No. Please. Fine. Five out of ten peak cinemas because <laughs> What's that? I couldn't hear you. <laughs> I'm sorry, you're mumbling. I couldn't hear you. <laughs> Uh, King Kong versus Godzilla is peak cinema. Oh, you were so close. <laughs> yes. That's the closest you'll get from me, Chris. Anyway, Chris, what are we doing next week? All right. So, oh, do we want to talk about uh, any hopes we have for the future of the monster? Oh, yes. I hope somebody else in a different writing team direct it. <laughs> um, um, besides that, I hope that they, uh, they could bring over some Toho monsters. I guess they'd be okay with that, but I hope they do something more original than that. Uh, maybe try and bring in their own original monster for Godzilla to fight, or maybe yeah. uh, for Kong to fight. I think that'd be fun. Maybe bring in Mecha Kong. Um, yeah, I'd I'd but yeah. Mecha overall, I'm. I, I saw the continue the MonsterVerse hashtag on Twitter, and I was like, well, I, I'm just gonna look forward to the Toho Cinematic Universe. Honestly, <laughs> like I'm much more excited for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, personally, I I've really I think the MonsterVerse really turned a corner after 2014, and they've just they've really been firing on all cylinders for me. So as far as I'm concerned, um, I'd like to see space stuff. I'd like to see them go to space, bring maybe bring back the Extians, maybe do a space Godzilla. I also think that would be space a good excuse, good, good excuse to bring the mechas in because then you could like have a facility on another planet where they build the mechas. So then Godzilla isn't automatically going to destroy them. So if you want to bring back Mecha Godzilla, that's an easy way to do that. You could also bring in Mecha Ghidorah, Mecha Kong, as you mentioned, bring back mm -hmm. Mecha Kong. Um, I've also, in thinking about this, I realized they never did a Mecha Mothra, and I think we should fix no. that, and we should make a Mecha Mothra. Mecha Mothra. Everyone gets a Mecha. You could bring All in of the them evil get a Mecha. Mothra. You could bring in the evil Mothra for, from uh, Godzilla vs. <laughs> Mothra, and, uh, you know, the, the 90s film, the High Sierra Godzilla vs. Mothra film. Yeah. Um, you know, the one everybody yeah, thinks I would... is silly and stupid. I love that one. Yeah. So, and, uh, I, I really just want to, I just, I just want to see more. I just want to see more, more monsters, more cool stuff, more big action scenes. Just, just more, just, just do more. Get Takashi Miike to make a kaiju film, you fucking cowards. <laughs> I would be down for that anyway. So, yeah. So next week, um, as we, as I mentioned on Twitter, uh, Rocket Chip Roulette is going to be taking a bit of a break for a while while we transition to the new system. So we're doing a longer string of topic episodes. And but don't worry, you rocket heads. I know your fans are out there. Rocket it'll, heads. It'll, it, will be, it will be back. It will be back. It will be back, and I will take all the time necessary to conceive of a storyline in my head mm. to continue the rocket ship story, the saga, the, the thing you've all been waiting for, more rocket ship. Yeah. 
So, yeah, so... Uh, to the most that... popular show in existence. Yeah, so to that end, next week, we will be covering uh, Infinity Train Book 4 Duets. Yeah, um, baby. I'm very excited about uh, uh, to talk about that and also to rant about how Cartoon Network is a bunch of idiots for canceling the show. Hashtag finish Infinity Train. Um, and... <laughs> But uh, anyways, this has been Hipster and the Nerd. We do this every week. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, pretty much anywhere anywhere you get your podcasts. Please leave us a nice five-star review. Spread the word on social media. Share with all your friends. Hashtag Hipster and the Nerd. Help us grow the show. We very much appreciate it. Uh, I am Chris Hanna. You can find me at MegaNerd98 on Twitter and on Letterboxd. And Brian, where can they find you? You can find me signing autographs from all of my adoring Rockethead fans. <laughs> they swarm outside my house every morning, and I have to shower them with lima beans. Uh, no. uh, you can find me on Twitter at Brian Brecker, or you can find me on Letterboxd at bbreck2. I've been watching all of the Rocky films, so you can find out my opinions on that on bbreck2. Uh, besides that, you could always find me at my MySpace, my <laughs> Yahoo Answers account. No, Yahoo and Answers got course, shut down. He got it got shut down. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> Damn it. Okay. Uh, you can find me at Quora. Q U O R A. Um, besides that, you can also find me at IMDb. Sorry. And of course, Goodreads.com. Yes. Uh. So yeah. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Hashtag continue the monsterverse, and we will see you next time. Uh, breaking news! Breaking news! Breaking yeah, news. okay, so we're technically recording update. this after we recorded everything else, but we felt like we should add it because we literally just got news about the next monsterverse movie. Um, so, Adam Wingard, who of course directed this movie, Godzilla vs. Kong, that we just talked about, is in talks to direct the next one. Uh, we don't titled yeah son we don't of know kong. what it is yet but one of the titles being floated internally is son of kong so chris how does this make you uh, feel i'm excited so i know you were not particularly a fan and i know you want new people on but i think wingard i think he did a really good job with godzilla versus kong and especially given that how much kong solo stuff was already in that movie i feel like he could do a very good job with a solo kong film not entirely sure how to feel about son of kong because that's a bit of an odd direction. Because, first of all, this means, canonically, Kong fucks. So, who's the mom? That's that's the first question. And second of all, Monster. when they try, well, back in the day, when they tried to do this with Godzilla, it didn't really work. I know they, I know Son of Kong. You're forgetting about Godzilla yeah, Jr., Godzilla, Chris. Well, Godzilla Jr. was better. Um, I'll take Godzilla Jr. And what about Godzuki? Uh, no one likes Godzuki. Don't, don't even... Hey, Brian, no one likes Godzuki. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, Chris. So I, I think I am looking forward to it, and I'm interested to see if it is Son of Kong. I'm interested to see how they could potentially improve on the concept from the original. For all you Blair Witch yeah. heads out there, I know you're all excited for Adam Wingard to bring more Blair Witch remake energy to Son yeah, of so, Kong. So, Brian, how do, how do you feel about it? I feel absolutely nothing. <laughs> nothing, not even a little bit. Like, I mean, I mean, if we're gonna see Son of Kong, can we at least get a birth scene? <laughs> we a very need graphic to see birth Kong scene. fuck. <laughs> we need a Kong. I... We who's no. the mom? 
We already saw that in the seventies <laughs> King Kong when when he touched the woman's hand and then they swayed back oh, and forth. Yeah. Um, but so <laughs> I want to know who the mom is. <laughs> also, Mighty Joe Young's well, better than King I, Kong. I said it. It's the superior monkey yeah, movie. I guess now we know there is officially they are officially going to continue the MonsterVerse, and this is the apparent first step. Kong's gonna have a kid. Kong fucks. It's okay. canon. <laughs> All right. And, Thank you, yeah. everyone, for listening to this thank exciting you, news update. Now, with the weather.